Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arena Craft Podcast, a show focused exclusively on Magic the Gathering Arena. I'm one of your hosts, Arjuna. I'm joined today by not only returning regular host Kovac Goblu, we all know and love him, but also by another returning special guest, Magic player extraordinaire, standard expert, streaming beloved legend, Danny T. Law. How are you doing today, Danny? Doing great. Thanks for having me here again. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the podcast. Awesome. And how are you doing today, CGB? I was doing great, but now I have an issue. I have to take a I have to take issue with what you said. Beloved by all. I will have you know I can check my Twitter mentions right now and prove that's not true. <laughs> can bail my hate mail, baby. We all know everybody loves a good control mage. Everyone's favorite heel, CGB. The person everyone loves to hate. There we the go. The most. More venom next time, please. <laughs> okay, so we are here to talk this week primarily about Standard, but definitely at length about Zendikar Rising. And y'all, I mean, I don't know about you, but this has just been a, a, a wide open wonderland of a format. Am I right? Am I right? Wait, wait are, what, is, is it the draft environment? What are you talking about? <laughs> Just stone cold silence. The, the artisan meta is top tier right now. You know what I mean? I will say that the draft <laughs> format has been fantastic. A plus, knocked it out of the park, 10 out of 10. And that's been predominantly what I've been playing last, last week. And that is because of the elemental in the room... The big, the bad, the ugly Omnath, who has been absolutely terrorizing Standard this past week. So we're definitely going to be talking about that. And probably also about this cryptic announcement that Wizards has made this week as well. So there's been a lot of developments in one small week of Magic. And yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to get into it. So why don't we start with what all of us have been doing this past week, and that'll lay the groundwork. CGB, want to tell us what you've been up to? I've been waking up every day, and I've been opening Arena, and I've been staring for probably 10 minutes with a blank look on my face into my collection, trying to assemble various piles of cards, and then remembering that none of these can beat a Lotus Cobra into Omnath, or four Escape to the Wilds and four Genesis Ultimatum, or the 50 million counterspells that decks that don't play these things are required to play in order to compete with it. So... I end up building a new Omnath deck, like today. Today, I built Omnath Bant. That means it runs more blue, white, and green cards than red ones. But it's still Omnath. <laughs> and I put Yorian in it, so it was 80 cards. But it's still Omnath. And it's got Uro. And still wins. So that was, that's been most of my week, is just staring into the abyss of what beats this, or how do I just make a different version of it? And I know that you're, you know, notable control mage, and have been messing around with some different builds there. Just like, but before we go super deep on it, have you been finding control to be any kind of a foil to Omnath? I can win. Like, like it happens, you know. The, the, the wins, I can go 50-50. 
which I think it would be reasonable for most decks in an environment like this. Here's the problem. The, the pleasure I get from that win is nothing compared to the misery of sitting there through the loss. It just, it's not even, that's the problem. Going 50-50 doesn't feel like I'm doing all right. It, it feels like such a net negative. And I don't know what I'd have to be against that ramp, against Omnath ramp to be a net positive in my life. I'd probably have to be like at an 80% win rate. And I think that's impossible. You know, one of the things I think about too is like, okay, if you're an aggro deck with a 50% win rate against Omnath, half of your games are over on turn four or five. And then, you know, the other half are probably you're thinking about conceding around turn eight when it's clear that you're just never going to win. Whereas I imagine playing control against Omnath, it's just every game win or lose is just a freaking misery grind fest, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Danny, let's tap you in. And, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on all this? So when Sendika started, I was like, okay, Omnath seems strong. Then two days passed. Okay, Omnath is everywhere. So there were like two options, right? Go under it or go over it. You can try to tackle it with aggro decks with like mono green, gruel, or you just can play control like, like most of us did. Um, the control matchups are literally you have like 20 counters. And if you miss one counter on one of their big spells, because for some reason that deck is allowed to play for Escape of the Wilds and for ultimatums with no downside. If you miss one counter and they play one of those cards, the game usually is over. Because the card advantage they get, you can never come back. So it feels really miserable to play control into Omnath, in my opinion. Just because if you don't have it, you just lose at that moment. And if you have it, yeah, you just counter the entire game and... It's, I don't know, it feels really awkward. You spend a lot of time just for, for like a set of three to maybe win, and, and that doesn't feel correct. And the same is with aggro. You play aggro, but if they have Uro and Omnath, both, by the way, gain life, um, it's also not really fun, because if they have it, you just lose. So I think it's a really miserable spot right now. Um, I don't know how they want to fix it, because, hey, Nissa is gone. And many other ramp cards are gone, but the best deck is ramp. I mean, how can that be? <laughs> how can that be? How? <laughs> how? She's laughing at us from the grave, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let, let's just get a little bit more into why these Omnath decks are so difficult to play against. Because I think, okay, I think all of us have those people in our lives who are like, but Arjuna, but Danny, but CGB, I beat them with X. I beat them with Y. You know, Aggro seems well positioned right now. And McCleave's really good against them, etc., etc., etc. And it's one of those things where I hear it, I know it's true, I know people have good records against it, etc., etc., but it just doesn't solve the problem for me. None of what I'm hearing about is like, oh, yeah, that's that's actually pretty good. That's the answer. It's like nah, you probably just got lucky, or people probably haven't tuned the list right. And I think one of the reasons for that is kind of what you guys were both getting at, is that every single card in the deck is just like a big, fat problem. So one of the reasons I'm skeptical about any of these other lists keeping up is if you just line the cards up next to each other, it's kind of laughable. So like, let's take aggro, for example. Maybe you have a turn one play. If you do, it's not particularly impactful. 
your turn two play is also probably just like some random beta that, okay, maybe it does something, or maybe it's an innkeeper, right? Which the Omnath deck probably doesn't really care about an innkeeper. Meanwhile, the Omnath deck has Lotus Cobra, this card where if it's not dead immediately, your chances of winning that game just dramatically drop. So the two drop, there's just no two drop in any other deck that can keep up with Lotus Cobra in terms of the, the impact on the game. And then if we look at the rest of the cards in the deck, basically from turn three onwards, you have to live in fear of Omnath, Escape to the Wilds, Ultimatums, all of this other stuff. And what, what are these other decks playing that can really keep up with that? What's a three or a four drop out of these aggro decks that you're really scared about? Okay, that's a cute Lovestruck Beast. Good luck with that one. Okay, maybe if you have that dream curve of turn three or four Lovestruck Beast with an Embercleave, okay, you get him, you got me, good. But when you think about the average game and how it's going to play out, it's just really hard to imagine that any aggro deck in the long run, their cards are going to line up in a way to really punish these decks. And then it's the same with control. It's just like you guys said. they One of the, one of the big issues with control is that there are a lot of problems in the deck which require counter spells. And then there are a lot of problems in the deck in which your removal is not that good against. And then there are other problems in the deck where it's like if you didn't have Elspeth Conquer's death on exactly the right turn, then you're dead. If you, you, know, if you can't deal with that Ugin, you're dead. If you can't deal with that Felidar retreat, you're dead. If you can't deal with the Oro that came back from the graveyard, you're dead. And those are some of the harder threats to deal with. And Omnath is much easier to deal with, but it keeps drawing cards. That's kind of what I'm thinking about this deck. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on, does that check out with your experience? Yeah, it, it definitely does. And, and there's something I really have to mention here. It is like literally one week into the meta. So there's a deck that is so strong after one week because every card is just so strong. And as you said, there are people like saying, oh, but I win with this deck and I win with this deck. Imagine if Omnath deck adapts to other decks that beat it. Because they don't even do that. They don't even care. So it, the deck is really new and, and there's definitely still a lot of upgrade there. And just having a deck like this after a week, where just each card is so powerful and you don't even know which is like the weakest card in the deck, because just every card is powerful... I don't know how to beat it, like, or consistently beat it, at least. And I think that is actually a major problem. I think the only thing that changes any of what was said there is Embercleave. Because if you're the control deck, and this is one of the really, really frustrating parts about being the control deck. Remember when I said that the win wasn't worth it? This is part of the reason why. You can go through all of this. You can counter all of their things. You can put them in top deck mode, and then you get whatever your win con is online, if it's a Dream Trawler, if it's Castle Ardenvale, if it's a Shark Typhoon. And they're probably at 50-something life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, now you're in danger of decking before you can actually deal enough damage to them to kill them. <laughs> like Because all of the life gain is tacked on. So, like, you just like closing the game with any card that isn't Embercleave feels impossible. Now, in aggro, they can just play the, the things that Arjuna mentioned and then hit an Embercleave and win. It is possible. And that's why that's a good strategy. And in green, they figured out you just hit all your land drops and you hit a Primal Might on a Kazandu Mammoth, and that's how you win. Uh, so Mono Green has Primal Might, and the red decks have Embercleave. So that's like the only, those are the only ways that you change the equation, because otherwise you go along 
it seems like nothing good will ever happen. And of course, it's a four-color deck. Of course, they can have mana troubles and bad draws. I cast a Genesis Ultimatum today. It revealed, in a situation where I just needed one blocker to stay alive against Teamer Adventures, my Genesis Ultimatum revealed a Triome, two other Ultimatums, and two Escape to the Wilds. <laughs> <laughs> so that can happen. <laughs> but uh, like over time, over time, you just you, you can't hang these these cards are insane. And the only thing you can trade favorably or even at even with is the Lotus Cobra. So if you kill the Cobra, as soon as it comes down with a one or two mana spell, that's as even an exchange as you're going to get for the rest of the game. From there on, you have to be finding, you have to just be fighting and clawing to keep them from getting a five for one. <laughs> so yeah, it's not fun. I that That's the part I can't, that's the part I just can't stress enough. Playing against this deck isn't fun. Like, the very first time they have an Omneth and they put a Fable Passage down, it's like, I already want to scoop. I don't care what happens anymore. I just want to play a different game. I just want anything else to happen. And uh, I, think that's, I think that's the main reason that we're already looking at a potential announcement of a ban next week. Because it's, it's not fun, man. You're right. And it's it's one of these things where when we think about what does make magic fun, it's usually some level of interactivity, right? Some level of feeling like I have agency in this game, feeling like if I play better than my opponent, I have a better chance to win. And it, it kind of sucks with these Omnath decks because they take plenty of skill. So I'm not kind of I'm not dissing on that front. But there's a lot of games where, yeah, they just, if the Omnath player doesn't hit their land drops that they need, then they just kind of lose on the spot. And that's not really fun for them. And it's a free win for their opponent. And that's kind of boring. And then if they, if things go perfectly for the Omnath deck, they crush you on turn four. And that's also really boring. I, I totally agree with you, CGB. The question will remain, is this going to be a fun format? Are people going to feel motivated to show up and fire up Arena and, and get back into it? And I think it's one of those decks where you have to account for it, you know? Like, you can't you can't just say, I'm going to play my fun Boros aggro deck and I just scoop to Omnath. That's not a thing that you can do right now if you want to be a competitive arena player. You're going to scoop half of your games. Can I give a note, though, really quick on when you say you have to account for it? Yeah. So there's some tournaments going on, like, as we're recording this. So this is... Here's some numbers from Red Bull Untapped in Japan, which had, what is this, like 400 players? 40.7% of the field is four-color Omnath. 40.7%. The SCG Tour Online Championship, this is something that you had to win qualifiers to play in, so it's a smaller field. It's going on right now, 127 players. 55% four-color Omnath. The other thing is that this doesn't take into account that four-color Omnath, as categorized on the website, is not the only Omnath deck. Maybe we'll get into it, but four of the undefeated decks in Japan are four-color Teamer Adventures with just... It's Adventures with Omnath. That's, that's what it is. And, you know, we'll have to get into that, I'm sure, too, but I wanted to just get some of the meta numbers out there. When we say you have to account for this, we're not making this up. <laughs> this this deck is at, already at a meta share that got many other decks in trouble. Yeah, I just had 
also a stream like three days ago where I played six hours straight only against Omnia. <laughs> and that's no so joke, Dude, yeah, I found that on the ladder too. Top 1,000. Like, if you're in the percentages, you get the mix-up. But as soon as you're in the top 1,000, it's nothing but Omnath. That, that's Six been hours. my experience. Yeah. I was a bit frustrated. And then you think like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to stream again. And yeah, wow. It's the same all over again. Every single time. It's, it's really sad. It's really sad. So I would say the ladder is definitely also around the 55% um, at the least. And at least i wish yeah. we could get like actual statistics from top 1000 gameplay or something like that because yeah if i wake up in the percentages i'm like i don't know what i'm gonna play in this video but as soon as i crack into numbers i'm like oh i already know i already yeah. know what they're doing i know it's it's funny i see a lot of posts from people being like wow i really don't see that much omnath i'm in silver I'm like, well, that's because Omnath players don't stay in silver, man. <laughs> they're, just, they're just not losing games in silver. <laughs> that's what happens. I would love to see the numbers as well, but I'm sure that Wizards is monitoring this closely, and I'm sure that it's kind of dire. So, Oh, should we get into what they say about monitoring the format? Oh, yes. Oh, Take yes. Take us into that, CGB. So this was a tweet on the 22nd of September. We're recording here on the 26th. So what is this, Tuesday? The set was officially released yesterday. This is prior to a set even officially being released. Of course, paper release and production schedules are weird right now, but it's still ridiculous. And this is less than a week after the early access event, the first chance for arena streamers to play the cards. They tweet out, we're closely monitoring developments in standard. In order to avoid disrupting this weekend's tournaments, we intend to provide an update on the format early next week. What the heck does that mean? So, so like, you can almost go word by word. An update on the format? What? And when they say in order to avoid disrupting this weekend's tournaments, does that mean if there were no tournaments this weekend, they would do something already? Like, like, what do you guys think? Like, like this, the wording alone makes my head spin. Not only that, they don't give a day. They've always, when they had a ban announcement, they've always said there will be an update to the ban and restricted list on Monday. They don't give a day. They don't say that. What, what is going on? There's so many things in my mind right now. I mean, as CGP just mentioned, the set actually just dropped, right? And just going on Twitter and, and reading around what people think, uh, most people say, yeah, Uro gets banned. And there were like so many screams, yeah, ban Uro, Uro. But I tell you something, it doesn't change a damn. If Uro gets banned, it's still the same. So I really hope they know that. If they, if they ban only Uro here, this is going to be catastrophic. Because then we have to play for weeks again, the same and same and same. So what is their option, right? You have to think, what is their option? Banning Omnath, banning Cobra on a set that just was released. I mean, how would they ever ban the cash grab card? Like, how would they ever ban Omnath? Uh, they are in a really tricky spot, in my opinion. Like, there's the player base who's super unhappy, but they want to make the money, right? So, how do they react, actually? Do they unban something? Make Omnath a free free elk? Who knows? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I can hope, right? But it's 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 so strange to unban. I mean, Oko is is a really busted card, and we all know that. But sometimes I would love to see the comparison between Oko and Omnath. And I, and if you don't have Oko, actually, Omnath just wins again. 
I don't know. I really have no idea. And then we also have the problem. Let's say they ban Omnath, which I don't think they will. Clover will take over 100%. So they need to ban another card like Clover as well. Also, Passage is a card that could be banned, but they will never ban it. I don't know how they want to do this. And if they unban Cat, I mean, yeah, I ping you for one. Now you're on 49 life instead of 50. How do you want to tackle this? Yeah, I, d I think that when people call for banning Fabled Passage, I'm like, come on, man. Like, the mana's already bad enough, right? I mean, the, the pathways helped, but we need Passage. <laughs> so that, that would be a brutal ban, in my opinion. I did want to... I did want to tackle the Clover, though, a little bit, because I've seen a lot of people talking about, like, okay, they'll ban Oro, they'll ban Omnath, they'll have to ban the Clover as well. Is it really a foregone conclusion that Clover's going to rule the format? Because these Clover decks, sure, they're strong, but even, like, towards the end of the standard 2021 format, which I know CGB and I played a lot of, I don't know how much of it you played, Danny, but even towards the end of that, it was like, oh, no, these mono green decks look pretty good. Look like they could keep up with it. It's a couple of other decks that look like they could keep up with it. And so banning Clover wouldn't be my first place to start. I would have to see a weekend with, with a 40% Clover share and, you know, like two Clover decks in the finals to really believe that that card was overpowered. I'm curious if you have any thoughts, CGB. Many. One. <laughs> Don't trust this man, he's biased. <laughs> I, I am I am uh, admitted Clover Mage for sure. Clover fanboy extraordinaire right over here. Yeah, that deck does have to go. Because if you are on the other end of it, no, it's not interesting. It is absolutely no fun. Not quite to the Omnath level, but I was already groaning like every time my opponent opened on Clover. And it's going to get worse. Aaron Gertler, I believe, posted something like going winning 23 matches in a row in High Mythic playing this deck. He's already beating Omnath with this deck. Like this this deck is already slapping Omnath around when played extremely well. I have the deepest respect for Aaron Gertler, so I'm going to say this with the sarcasm on the front end, but it's it must be paid actors or something. Like how, No, how, no, how man. How can that no. guy, everyone else playing that deck has 50% win rate, and he has like an 80% win rate or something. It's just ridiculous. So I was testing Clover after that post as well. I think it was like 28-4. 28-4, thank you. We, in our midst, we have also a really... Uh, Clover fan in form of Jason Florent, who also won a big tournament with it. So Jason told me he's not sure about a deck. I should test it. I tested it, and I think I went like 12-3 or something, so it was really good for me as well. And I'm not a Clover mage, and it was already nice, but I knew the strategy Aaron went for against Omnath, and I think that's really relevant to know, because we did some testing, internal testing with Jason, and you have to play the second game against Omnath like a prison deck. So it's really strange, but that's the way it works out usually. You have to play your face and get your counters up and try to prison him until you manage to play a big spell like Fae Clover or Escape with counters backup. That's the way you have to do it. And we also found out the moment you have Clover into Giant, your win rate is around 80%. Because then you can really go off. Without the Clover, Clover is just a 
an adventure mid-range deck. It can do stuff, but it's still too weak to beat Omnev. So those are the things we figured out, and I'm pretty sure if this deck is played well, it's okay against Omnev. So if you have a deck that is so strong there, and is versatile against most of the matchups, if Omnev goes, Clover will be on the top. That's that's my prediction. Yeah, it's also lost. The closest thing to a predator to it is is the Omnath deck because it does go over the top, which was historically the only thing keeping Clover in check because it's going to dominate anything that's aggro. It's going to dominate any kind of mid-range. So yeah, I think it's easily going to be format defining from there. And I think that we just don't want to see a whole year of that. I, another full year of Clover might be fun for a few absolute psychopaths. <laughs> but but the rest of us, you know, we don't like sitting there watching you debate your Fae of Wishes selections for 20 minutes, okay? It's, it's not the greatest. Guiltiest charge. All right, well, I'm outvoted two to one. I admit defeat here. And I'm sure that, you know, there are just legions of other people who are super sick. I, I've definitely had plenty of people scoop to my, you know, turn three beanstalk into my clover. So, yeah, I mean, people are definitely sick of it. Let's talk a little bit about an Oro ban, because it does seem like the most likely card on the list of, of cards to go. People have been calling for it to get banned basically forever, and so now might be the time. You guys are saying that the Omnath deck will still be a threat with the Oro gone, and I totally do agree with you. However... I think that we can all agree that that will definitely cut off like a very strong plan B for the deck, and it will also make it weaker against aggro. So let's imagine they do just ban Oro and they leave the rest of the pieces in the deck. I imagine that Control will have a much easier time beating the deck. What are your guys' thoughts on how we tackle the deck with just Oro out of the picture? So, yeah, I agree. Oro is definitely one of the better cards against Control and against aggro. And just me saying that makes the card obviously broken, since it's good against everything. Um, but then again, um, Omnath doesn't rely on Uro, right? Cobra is, is the card you really want to do shenanigans. And Omnath still gives you 4 life, which is a bit better than Uro. What I think will happen is, let's say Aggro is taking over because Uro is gone. So they will just replace Uro with some removal spell. That's the flex slot now. Let's say Control takes over. Oh, I can play Dispute. Oh, that's nice. So that's what's going to happen. So they will just adjust to the to the best way to tackle the deck because the deck is new and they could just do that already. Um, I think it will not change anything. I think it it most likely changes. It hurts the actual best Control deck in Sultai, I think, because they have Omnef. So it actually hurts the deck that has the best chance against Omnath more than Omnath itself. Yeah, that's true. The Sultai control deck, Zach Allen worked a lot on it, played it in a Bash Bros tournament last weekend. Shout out other podcast, Bash Bros podcast. Uh, he beat Corey and Brad and a number of other Omnath players uh, with his Sultai deck and finished second to the Gruel aggro deck. And he's been talking a lot about it, but yeah, that deck is just an Uro deck, just trade resources, trade resources, trade resources, Uro, and that deck would be unrecognizable without the card. Whereas Omnath, it's their plan C, 
right? And like like Danny was saying, they'll adjust the Omnath deck that we envision when we're talking about the deck is this straight up ramp go over the top of everything. But Omnath doesn't have to play that game. Omnath can just gain four life a turn, draw a card when it enters the battlefield, be this battlefield presence that sometimes makes mana. And like a mid-range Omnath is still terrifying and it's too much, you know? So I, I it, it remember when they banned Growth Spiral and we were like, that doesn't make sense because Uro's just better. I'm going there. I'm going there right now. Omnath is better than Uro. Just it, it has everything Uro has and it's better. That that so what are they doing? Go ahead. Yeah, I think I agree. And but it's funny, Omnath uh, I mean Uro is basically a three mana growth spiral. That's all it does right now, with some life gain. So you pay one mana extra for free life. That's that's actually the place where like that's the function in the Omnath deck, right? Just the ramp. You how many times did you lose or did we lose against Omnath? And I didn't even play Uro or escaped Uro at all. Like, I, I can't even remember when I saw them escaping Uro. Maybe once <laughs> or something. And, yeah, I mean, that just shows that this card is definitely not the problem. Yeah, so so maybe these Omnath decks lose, like, a couple percentage points, lose a little bit of consistency, lose, you know, some long game power. And here's the other thing, is that they run four freaking colors. They can play just about anything. They can play whatever they want. If they need to go really long, they can start thinking about Fey of Wishes. If they need to go really long, they can just play another Ugin. They can just do whatever. They have access to just about anything from the sideboard as well. So it's so hard to tackle, and it's a deck that on any given week could just sleeve up whatever's good against the matter. How about having access to 80% of the sideboard cards in the matter? That sounds great. So it's not a one-note deck. You couldn't just remove any one piece, apart from maybe Omnath, right? <laughs> Let's talk about if they do ban Omnath, are people still going to be playing these like Lotus Cobra, Escape to the Wild, Felidar Retreat strategies? I mean, there's still a lot of other powerful cards in the deck, but is it just all kind of not worth doing if Omnath's not there anymore? You can do it. I think that that makes the whole deck more interesting, quite honestly. If if you have to go Lotus Cobra into Felidar Retreat into Escape, you you have what, a couple of tutus and you have an enchantment that can pump things. And that's a pretty cool board. It's, but it's, I mean, it's nothing an extinction event isn't prepared for. You know what I mean? So I, I think that that deck sounds cool, and I'd almost want to try it. And there's a real cost to it, because Escape gets you all those cards, but you do have to cast them in one turn. That might be really hard if your deck is full of expensive cards. I, I don't know. That sounds, that sounds more like a puzzle and less like a groan to me. What do you think? Yeah, I think the best benefit of Cobra being to play a turn uh, 4 mana cost card turn 3 so it's basically good for the curve while having a creature and if you if there's a deck where you could sneak in something like escape you get the benefit as well because you can double spell usually that turn right 5 mana drop 2 lands have 4 mana play card again so Cobra is, is more fair at that point I actually would like to see decks like this as well, not just like the current Omnath version. Maybe like a Gruel Landfall deck will be more interesting at that point. Or Team or Aggro, I have no idea. But yeah, it's, it, sounds, it sounds more interesting to me. 
Yeah, I think that the Cobra by itself, to me it actually seems like an important card in the format. I think it incentivizes you to do this kind of fun Belladar Retreaty stuff. If they took out some of these egregious cards in the format, like Clover, like Omnath, like Oro, we might start seeing people try playing, you know, Phylath or like some of these other Zendikar top-end payoffs. And if that's the case, then the Cobra is going to be an important part of that. So I definitely think that people calling to just ban Cobra right at the beginning of the format seems unfounded to me. And especially, I maintain my position that I brought up on the podcast before, which is that Cobra is definitely strong and a key piece in these landfall decks, but it's not just like a card that you're going to throw into any random green deck and have it run away with the format. So I think that the fact that it's easy to deal with and a role player in certain decks, like I think if you took Omnath out of the format, you'd be seeing a lot less Cobra, and at that point it would just look like a bit more of a balanced card. So definitely still like one of the two drops in the format that has the highest top end as far as what it can do for you. One of the worst things about Omnath is it's basically just choking the life out of the rest of the Zendikar set. There's just all this other cool stuff that we could be doing. If I had a Valakut's Awakening and Nahiri's Lithoforming and all these other interesting combos, and we're just not seeing them because it's why would you do that when you could do Omnath? So personally, I think that there's a lot of really cool, interesting build-around cards in this set. This set was clearly designed to be kind of a like combo-focused set, so I would just love to see some of those other cards have a chance to do their thing. So, okay, this is what I want to do. If we here on this podcast had a chance to draft up the bands that we would like to see happen next week, what would we nominate? I think we're all on Auro, we're all on Omnath, we agreed on the Clover. What else goes on that list? I'm not sure of the Uro. I like Uro a lot, um, but I can see that it has to go if if all the cards go as well. I'm still in the camp that I wish to see Oko against Omnath, just, just I want to know. Just because I want to know. But I don't think this will happen. I mean, Oko is banned in literally every format, or like at least restricted, because the card is definitely busted. Come on my stream, Danny. We'll do some direct challenge. You'll get it out of your system, and then it'll be done. Because you've, after you've done it for an hour, it's just over. You, you never want to do it again. <laughs> we have to do this, really. I really want to know. Just just the feeling. I want to Elk and Omnath. That's all I want to do. <laughs> and then I can can go. That's all it is. But yeah, uh, back to the bands. Um, Omnath should be banned. But then again, the what's your problem with uh, revenue and so on is, is there. I think it has to be Clover. Clover has to be banned as well, in my opinion, 100%. Omnath, Clover. I will throw in Uro, because then the Sultai will be back. If those two two are gone, that's that's just, just how it is. And yeah, I think those three cards... Well, if those three cards are gone, there will be an Embercleave meta, most likely. Or a mono, like a mono green Gruul meta. So then we can think, do we, do we tackle a card there? Which card? is good in both decks and then it's hard at that point because you don't have a signature card in mono green you just have good cards and if you ban amber cliff then you have to go mono green so it gets it's a really tricky situation maybe maybe golgari adventures is a deck that that you would play because that really hates on mono green most likely so it's hard from there but those three cards for sure i'm i'm gonna go on a limb and say that if an aggro deck is the best deck in the format good like, like, good. 
I mean, I as a control mage, I hate aggro, but I'm always like, I will wake up every day figuring out how to beat it better. Like, and I am fine with that. Like, there's, it never bothers me when aggro is the best. I kind of feel like magic should be that way. I feel like we should have one or two aggro decks in any format that are just putting on the pressure that could win a tournament any weekend, right? Like Mono Red's been that deck for a long time in the last couple of years. One of the most fun aspects of the game is building decks and trying to beat decks, right? Especially from the control mage perspective. Also in testing teams, this is so interesting. Like one slams the aggro deck and then you just figure it out for hours what is the best combination of card to beat it and that's that's fun for me, right? It doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be the format. Just having that deck building feeling again is fun. And I'm pretty sure CGB as a content creator definitely agrees on that. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. Now the thing I wanna say about Embercleave, I think that if you don't like Embercleave and want it banned, it's probably because it actually makes combat meaningless. Like that's that's the feels bad of Embercleave. If you're like me and you just don't even play creatures and you just run removal spells, it's like I I, I know how the Embercleave works. I, I can play this game. But if you want to build a deck with say a modest number of removal spells, like four or six, and you don't try to kill everything on the battlefield, and you want to maybe block something someday and have that matter, then, you know, Embercleave is your villain. Like, the the person with Embercleave, it doesn't really matter what you do. You know when they turn everything sideways, you get that feeling of, oh. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's nothing. We're done here. It's the the fear of knowing the card is there. You count the mana, you're like, okay, that could be an Embercleave. So bluffing is also really fun for an Embercleave deck. I always enjoyed that one. But there's another card I want to mention here, and I totally forgot about it. It's one of my most hated cards, and that's Vinota. Let's say, ah. and I will just mention this now here, Vinota could come back. A Boros Vinota list is already out there, and I don't want to. If if that becomes the aggro deck, like to beat, I'm not happy. So it's interesting. Uh, notable Winota Mage Crokies the other day. I was watching his list, and he actually wasn't talking about Winota, but the point that he made about Ramp and why Ramp wasn't fun in Magic was that he said it's either unplayable or too good. His argument was that Ramp cards suck most of the time, but when Ramp is the viable thing to do, the reason you would choose to do it other than anything else is because it's just the best thing to be doing. And I kind of feel that way about Winota. Winota is one of these cards that it kind of sucks except for when it's really good. And when it's really good, it's just like absolutely the best thing to be doing in the meta. Let's look at the Naya Winota list that just utterly dominated Historic until they banned it. That's just a perfect example of how completely unbeatable that card can be. So I'm totally with you, Danny. I feel like Winota is one of those cards where either no one plays it, or like your occasional jank mage plays it and gets some lols on the play queue, or it's just super miserably overpowered and busted. So, yeah, I would be happy to see that card go. Just just preemptively, mm-hmm. just get it out of the format. I think it can wait until they at least spoil a human that's a little more terrifying. But So I'm, I'm not in a hurry to, to axe Winota because I think that the human cause right now is pretty weak. Winota is similar to Embercleave in that you can interact in two ways. If you keep the battlefield clear, 
it's not very meaningful. Or if you interact with the creature that catches the Embercleave or the Winota itself the turn it comes down, then it's not really meaningful. So you have two ways to attack it. So I, I feel like that's okay. I'm not, I'm not terrified of the card, but as we've seen in the past, it's only a printing away. And I've said here on this podcast before, it's like, it just never should have been made because now you have to look at every human and every non-human kind of for the rest of time through a Winota lens. And it's just obnoxious, quite honestly. Although I will say there's nothing more satisfying when you're playing against Winota than having them whiff two or three times in a row. <laughs> That's just... They're like, if I hit anything this turn, I win. And then they just don't. <laughs> I guess my hate relationship with the card is when I play Winota, that's what's happened. <laughs> that's what happened. And that's no joke. There was a time <laughs> where Crookies was like 42 3 with the Naya deck. Then he wrote me and sent me the list and said like, hey, I'm 42 3, you should try it. And I went like 2 7. And he was literally like, that's impossible. How is this? And I was like, yeah, that's me playing. Like, you have to understand, he lost it. I lost it as well. It's impossible at that point for me too. I don't like the card. I mean, I agree with CGB. I think it should not get banned. I mean, you have red cap melee. You still have counters, right? You still have ways you can clear the board. I agree with that. But And also, I think the Hearthstone card should never have been printed. Do you guys feel like there's something to this just kind of turn four over the top kill card that like did we lose something because when you when you introduce new players to magic it's like okay i play a creature you play a creature i play a creature you play a creature i play a creature you play a creature i remove your creature attack with these interesting combat happens i untap maybe i play a follow-up like the game kind of goes back and forth when you're both playing creatures and a few removal spells the game does not go back and forth when one person goes first plays creature 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 then ember cleaver winota like it's just done i i I feel like that i feel like that kind of stuff we should just avoid because that doesn't seem like where you want a game to be just turn four it's over if you didn't interact on turn two or three like i don't know Maybe I'm maybe I'm rambling a little bit, but it feels it feels like in sealed or how we learn to play magic, and then you try to transfer any of that to constructed, and it's just the rules are com- are so completely different. It doesn't feel right. I, I I guess I'm nervous. We're going to lose a whole generation of magic players to wait a minute. I didn't go first, and my opponent had Winota, and my creatures don't matter. Yeah, it's th- there are a lot of feels bads at the moment like that. Like another example is in the mono green mirror when one person draws the henge and the other one doesn't. All right, now I just lose. That sucks. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that going on right now, and it does seem to be this turn for inflection point. I don't know why we needed these over the top plans. Quite frankly, maybe it was just because they were like, well, we're printing Oko and we're printing all this other stuff, so I guess we need to do it, but. Yeah, too too many powerful forecast cards, and I'm totally with you. So, okay, um, before we reach the end of the episode here, I would like to actually just talk about what people are playing on the ladder right now and go into some specifics. Okay, we don't know what's going to happen on Monday, so maybe none of what we would discuss would end up being super relevant. But I do just want people to have an idea of what's what's good in this format. What are the cards that people are playing? What are some of the archetypes where, like, if you want to craft something and go onto the ladder next week, it's probably going to be pretty good. Are we talking with or without the bi- potential bans? Let's just assume that there are no bans. I'm I'm too sad to continue. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, then I quit. I just 
CGB starts playing Limited for the first time ever. <laughs> Danny has left the room. Yeah, Danny's just like over it. <laughs> he's, just, he's, he's out of the chair. He's gone. He's, we lost our guest. No comment. Salty scoop. Salty scoop. Okay, he's coming back. It, it might be okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, get me out of this. <laughs> I, I didn't agree to this. Let's talk about some of these archetypes. I wanted to talk about Mono Green because A of all, I love the deck, and B of all, there's a couple of cool cards from the new set which is seeing some play, which I think could be staples in the new format. I'm going to read this list by a notable Green Mage Rumty. He is, he's reached number three mythic with this list. I don't know if he's gone higher with it, but definitely like leading the charge at the moment for the mono green. So this list reads like a pretty normal mono green list, but two of the new cards that he's running, which I think are really cool, are um, Kazandu Mammoth. He's running four copies of that. This is the 3-3 with a tapped green land on the back, which gets plus two plus two for landfall. And he's also running four Swarm Shambler, now, this is the uh, one green mana, zero, zero, which comes in with a counter. And you can put counters on it, and it also gives you one ones if your creatures with counters on them die. So this card is really cool. I think that most people reading it originally underrated it a little bit because it looked like it could potentially be kind of a janky and not that important card in a lot of archetypes. But I think it's doing enough in this deck to actually make it really interesting. So there are things like, you know, Yarvo comes in with counters, your Stone Coil Serpents come in with counters, Scavenging Ooze gets counters. There's actually a lot of cards in the deck that end up making counters. And then the other thing that's kind of underrated about it is that it itself comes down as a 1-1 and it creates more 1-1s. And so it makes your Lovestruck Beast a lot more likely to be able to attack. And this is a problem that these mono green decks have had forever is that, you know, Lovestruck Beast just needs a critical mass of 1-1s in the deck to be able to function. A lot of games are lost by, like, you have a lethal beast and you just don't have any 1-1s to get it in. So I think this is, like, one of the best decks ever at turning on the beast. And the Swarm Shambler is also the kind of card that could just slowly take over a game anyway. People are also playing Turn Timber Symbiosis in uh, Rumty's playing two copies in this deck. So anyway, I just thought that this deck looked pretty cool. Definitely life for Mono Green after the rotation. Just curious if you guys have any thoughts, additional thoughts to add. Uh, yeah, Rumty sent me the list, I think, four or five days ago. I should try it out. I did. And it was pretty strong. It, it had games against Omanath, but again, it depends on the coin flip a lot and on how you draw. Um, I really like the Mammoth a lot, because it also enables you to uh, hench more consistently if you have a land, and it's a land itself. And you can actually play Mammoth, land, hench, and another 3-drop. I really like that play there, so that's really nice. Um, also, the other new card, I think he's playing 2 Cobra, maybe he changed that now. He is playing 2 Cobra, yeah. Yeah, he made me test the Preserver instead of the Cobras. It was also okay, because the Preserver technically have counters as well. He said both both versions should be fine, but he also told me that right now this deck is definitely in the tier 1 region, but Mono Green has that thing that as longer as the meta goes, as weak as usually it gets. That's how he feels about Mono Green, and I don't know. I mean, right now it's in a good spot. It's definitely, I think, a deck you can play if you don't like Omnath and you like creatures and you like Beatdown. And yeah, the flip lands definitely help the deck as, as well. 
Did he tell you, or did you figure out, like from playing, I'm just curious about the four questing beasts in the sideboard. That is something that is kind of difficult if you're just walking into mono green. I know that when I pulled this list up on stream, my chat went absolutely bananas with questing beast in the sideboard. No questing beast in the main deck. Do you have anything to share on that? Uh, yeah, it was actually funny because Crookies was also in my chat at that time and he was playing mono green as well with questing beast in the main board. So we had two versions of mono green, one in the side, one in the main, and we all didn't know what's actually best. Questing Beast is nice because it's a haste creature that comes down, you go in, usually you do damage, but then again it trades with Omnath. So it was kind of awkward at that point, and I think that's why it's also the sideboard. I mean, there's no real Planeswalker to hit. Um, I'm not even sure if it should be in the sideboard. I think it's only there to have a haste threat against control, maybe. But I'm not even sure about that. Yeah, looking at the list, there's so many creatures that can go bigger than the Omnath so they can attack through it. Like Gem Razor on the Yorvo or the Swarm Shambler or the Stone Coil Serpent can attack through it. Yorvo can attack through it if you play one more green creature. Lovestruck Beast is a 5-5. Mammoth hit a land drop is a 5-5. So I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. But I was I was just really curious about it because it's one of those things that I think green mages would like a lot of people who play a lot of mono green would look at that and you know big big eyes big eyebrows raised the main reason of the questing beast was actually the change of gem razor into questing beast that was the sideboard choice you usually bought out gem razor if you don't need it and put in questing beast instead of that card that's how we used questing beast yeah, another problem with the Beast is that it also trades very disfavorably with Bonecrusher Giant, and that's a card which both the Omnath decks and the Gruul decks, which we're also going to talk about, are running. And so um, that's another reason why the, the 5 power, 5 toughness is also really key, because now you don't really get got as much by the Giant. So Also, here's the other thing, like who's playing Planeswalkers right now? You know, it's like, when was the last time you saw a Planeswalker on the battlefield? <laughs> it's kind of a, you know, War of the Spark left, my friends. So that was a really strong point in the favor of the card. So yeah, probably an all-time low for the Questing Beast, to be honest. Mm, let me check my YouTube. Yep, today's video, Sultai Planeswalkers. Go on. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look forward to see how it goes for you. <laughs> Final thing to know about this list, running three ramthroughs in the main, and a lot of this is because of the Cobra. So in this list, it feels really, really bad to play a 1-1 one, one on turn one, and then Primalmite on turn two, and, and basically two for one yourself to kill your opponent's Cobra. Having a way to deal the direct damage so you don't have to get the fight in is actually a pretty big get. So that's one of the main reasons they're running this. Also... I've seen this multiple times where someone will ram through the opponent's Cobra when they have like a Gem Razor mutated onto a Yorvo, and that deals seven, eight, nine damage just to the face. And then if you can get in with that Trampler, that's usually going to close out the game as well. So that's just another thing to note. Ram through, pretty important card right now. Cool. All right, let's let's move on to Gruul then, because I know that Jason Florent has been a big proponent of this, took down a Bash Bros tournament playing the deck. So this is a Gruul Adventure list. I thought that this list was pretty strong in the standard 2021 meta, so I'm kind of glad to see it showing up here. And it's kind of like if you took the green list 
and you pivoted it into being a bit more of a card advantage deck with an Embercleave finish. That's, that's kind of what the deck looks like. So it's also running Kazandu Mammoth. That's a key card in the deck. It's running the adventure package of Rimrock Knight, Bonecrusher Giant. It's also running, I think it's running Lovestruck Beast as well, right? <laughs> so that's basically what's going on with that deck. Now, I know that Jason was high on it, although Danny, it sounds like he's not as high on it now as he initially was. What are your thoughts on this deck? Uh, I think it's it's a good deck. Again, Embercleave is a way to try to go deal with Omnath, but then they have a lot of life. Um, I remember Jason, Jason loves Mono Green and Gruul. He just loves those type of decks. Uh, he's usually the type who says, the best deck right now is Gruul and you remove Red. And then a week later is the best deck is you take Mono Green and add Red. <laughs> so that's that's literally what he always says in like our Discord channel. <laughs> it's really fun. But I think it's it's a deck you can also bring to your tournament. And, and that was also important at the decision right there. I'm not sure how strong it is in the ladder. I think it's a consistent deck for sure. I mean, you have Edwell Innkeeper, you have the card draw in an aggro deck, which is nice. And you have that uh, I kill you in one turn ability. I think Mono Green is better than Gruul. That's what Jason told me yesterday, I think, when we talked about it, uh, about our tier list. And yeah, that's all I know so far. Looking at how things are going in Japan, only seven players play Gruul Adventures. So almost 2% of the field, but 57% win rate, which is uh, one of the highest win rates in the event, which is interesting. So even though it won a few events, the Bash Bros podcast, and what was the other one that Gruel Adventures won? It was the Hooglandia. Yeah, the Hooglandia Open in the opening week. Not many people have picked it up, but still picking up wins. I would probably favor Gruel against Omnath as opposed to Mono Green. Maybe that's wrong, but to me, I just I like the idea of having the clean Bone Crusher to deal with the Cobra. I like the the idea of the faster finish with the Embercleave. So all of that appeals to me. But I haven't played both of them extensively against Omnath, so that's just kind of my initial impression. But yeah, definitely another another strong deck. So if you're looking to turn creatures sideways, these are probably the two that you should be looking at. Let's touch briefly on Mono Red. Um, I know that Mono Red actually seemed to be doing fairly well in like some of our first weekend tournaments. But honestly, coming into this format, I was super low on Mono Red just from the mental magic standpoint when I just like thought about the deck list, thought about what was in the format. I was kind of unimpressed with it. And it does seem to have been deprecated over this last week. Like, I think people are generally thinking that it's probably not as good as Mono Green or Gruel. Would you guys say that that's accurate? So, I think Mono Red has potential. I mean, there's Red Cap Melee to deal with Omnath, which is fine. But what Mono Red is lacking is a stop life. I mean, there is one card, but I don't know if anyone <laughs> will play not it. Not really playable, so, yeah. Mono Mono Red is basically Embercleave, Annex, and what's the name? Torbrand, right? So this is these are like the key cards, and I think you got a bit weaker in the lower drops, and that definitely hurts Mono Red. I mean, you have still the Fervent Champion. You kind of forced to play Phoenix, but do you want to play Phoenix? The two drop slot doesn't look good to me in Mono Red right now, and and, and the other one drop. I mean, you have to play that dock, that zero one dock that only does damage if you play a land, and you don't want to have too many lands in a Mono Red deck. So 
the low-cost creatures in mono red right now are a bit of a problem. I saw people playing the 3-1 human that can pump and yeah, make the cards intimidator. cowards. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's basically the best 2-drop you have since the 3-1 base for 2 mana. But that's about it right now. CGB and I were kind of initially down on the Intimidator when we were evaluating it, and I'm certainly no higher on it than I was before. I think the Winota deck, it's clearly a standout in that deck, but I just think like as a general aggressive two drop, it's I'm just not that impressed with it, so I would agree with you that it's kind of underwhelming. Are you still on that note, CGB? Oh, I hated it when I played with it. <laughs> hate it. I mean, I, I hate most red cards when I play with them, but I really hated this one. Uh, yeah. Especially now that Spikefield Hazard, the one red instant that deals one damage, is taking off because of Cobra. Oh, Intimidator is looking like a sad, sad warrior. Um, so I'm I'm really not into that. But I'm never into red. This, this shouldn't surprise anyone. And, you know, the... The Joker in me always wants to point out that there's nothing we can say or do that will stop a red mage from playing red, and there's probably very little we can say or do to put somebody who doesn't want to be red into red. So, yeah, there's a lot of aggressive options. I don't think red is one of the good ones, but you mentioned the life gain card, uh, the anti-life gain card, Roiling Vortex. Well, Yugo Nakamura went 6-1-1 and one and one and qualified for day two of Red Bull untapped with Roiling Vortex in the sideboard to stop that life gain. It's your only option, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you kind of have to, but you definitely would prefer a Tybalt or like a Ferocidon over that card. Um, I can see the card is good where there is maybe a, a control meta. That, that's where I think the card would shine the most. But in a meta where Omnath exists with life gain of the death and you always have to keep one mana open, I don't know. I, I, I'm not too sure about the card. Because if you play that turn two, you're so slow. Like, at least Ferocidon could attack, Tybalt could make tokens. Like, those cards at least gave you some aggressive options, right? And hey, hey, Ferocidon had to get banned. It, it was the clover of its time. Yeah, then it came back. <laughs> uh, I, what, I, I would just kill to have ferocidon in standard right now like would that be too good i don't think it would be too good for standard i mean what would be too like like what's too good for standard is yeah. a fires of invention <laughs> uro combination that draws a card <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i uh, full circle completed all the way back around by the way why did they ban the cat Look at what was coming! Look at that. Read Omnath and tell me that Cat Oven is a thing you should be doing. Like, even close. And if they want to call it repetitive gameplay patterns and that it's boring, read Omnath! Yeah, totally agree. I, I still, until today, don't understand the cat ban, especially with Mayhem Devil and Priest rotating out. I supported the cat ban. I, I fully agree that it was obnoxious and that the food deck might be too good. But now that I've seen what's actually in Zendikar, I don't get it. I just don't get it. They knew. Guys, they banned Fires of Invention. They said the future stuff that we have coming down the pipe might, you know, make Fires of Invention too good. And I, and I read that and I was like, I'm going to be watching for the card where they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have made that with Fires of Invention. Oh, Yeah. It's here, and it's even better than Fires of Invention. Spoiled day one. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. Plus, plus, guys, they gave us the four mana hate bear. So, 
No problem with the cat deck now. <laughs> oh yeah, the um, the four four yes, green white can't sacrifice. Yeah, it oh, yeah. doesn't see zero play. You know, that's just a four mana draw two four four sees zero play because of Omnath. People are calling it the hate boy. So there you go. Okay, cool. So we've discussed the aggro options here. I know that the two of you have spent a fair amount of time playing control. So um, if someone wants to sleeve up control in this matter, how should they start thinking about it? Let's start with you, CGB. Okay. My biggest thing is that if you want to play that resource grindy battle, then you're going to need cheap spot removal so it doesn't get under you and run away from you in the first couple turns because that's a thing so if you want to if you actually want to play up mostly a one for one with a little over the top that's demir or at least base blue black you have to be able to blood chief's thirst or heartless act a cobra so that you can get your mana down so that you can start countering their more expensive spells if you don't do that you lose if you're gonna play an kind of a keep up with them game which sounds insane but it's totally it's a thing you can do it you can play like blue white you let them get a little bit of a head you clean up with a wrath they untap they cast escape to the wilds they get their five to one you untap you play gadwick you fill up your hand a little bit they untap they play a bunch of stuff you untap you cast seagate restoration you double your hand size you now have no max hand size and you have a million cards in your hand now it's on them They have to basically present threats to you for the rest of the game, and you have a million answers, and you can try to pick and choose the right place for all of them. Sometimes you still just lose. But it's at least a very fun game. I've been calling it the -the over-the-top blue-white, which is like people ripped on Seagate Restoration, but it's no joke if you have five or six cards, and then you double your hand size, and you have no max. That's the part that nobody respects is the no maximum hand size they're like haha it's seven mana draw one card and it's like no if you actually pull it off and you have a 12 card hand and your opponent can only have a maximum of a seven card hand you're much more likely to have the answer you need when you need it which is typically the control problem right so anyway this is a thing you can do side note in the (laughs) early access event i I watched cgb playing against andrea Mangucci, and it it, it was the Azorius Gandalf mirror. And t- tell us how you won that game, CGB. <laughs> My opponent, hold on. My opponent, Andrea Mangucci, <laughs> cast the Yorian, and it blinked the omen of the sea, and he gained some value. His opponent, the CGB, untaps his mana and casts Seagate Restoration for seven cards. Andrea Mangucci gave a slow clap to his opponent and conceded. <laughs> I mean, in in a control mirror, if you tap out and your opponent resolves Seagate Restoration, it's probably just over. <laughs> so there you go. This literally gives the it's me CGB a new meaning right there. <laughs> oh my I just goodness. wanted to mention that one. <laughs> nice one. Uh, nice love one. It. Love it. Okay, so, so Danny, I know that you've been playing a lot of control as well. Tell us what your conclusions have been. Yeah, I basically have the same conclusion than CGB. Um, in best of three, I felt like Demir is more of the one-on-one deck, and then you try to to stick one card, win the game with shocks. It's both. It's basically shocks, <laughs> and then you have uh, the Sultai list where where it's shocks plus Uro. So that's basically your win cons. It's it's a it's a classic Nasif deck. Uh, 
95 cards, one win con, something like this. And the blue-white is, is actually similar, but in the blue-white you have the angel, the land that uh, flips cards. So you win with sharks and angels. Like, you just win with tokens. It's about the same, but I think he summed it up really well. That's how you how it feels and how you try to win. But, again, the game go forever, and it feels sometimes a bit... Uh, Underwhelming. There's one special mention I wanna I wanna I wanna say here. Not many tested that deck, or it's not really out there. Um, it's actually the Ors of Yorion Doom list, and and there's something that you guys have to understand. There are two ways usually to tackle like Omnath decks. First, counters. Second, hand hate. Because if you take away their cards they like, and they have maybe like a Cobra free lance, I mean it doesn't do anything. You, you try to put them in a top deck mode and later on just go off with Yara and draw cards and just kill everything. Um, I tested it a lot. I think it was the control deck I tested the most. And I went like 10-4 or something. It was, it was not even that bad and people have, don't have it on their radar. So it feels really good there. But I don't believe it's tier 1. I think maybe it's like tier 2. But it's just a, a honorable mention of a control deck I wanted to say. Did they have any new cards? Uh, I, I imagine Acquisitions Expert, but was the, did you run like Skyclave Apparition? Yeah, uh, like so okay. uh, the deck I have, you play the Skyclave Apparition. It's really nice with the Yorion as well. Also, you play the two mana, one, two human that discards a card. Mm-hmm. You basically just replace Expert. the red. Yeah. Um, what else do you play? I mean, you play the, the Mythic Black Land and the Mythic White Land. Because that's basically free value, and the return is also really nice. You don't have Oath of Kaya anymore, which which hurts a little bit, because you don't have an early removal or like a, a nice reoccurring removal. But besides that, you just try to to hand hate and do the thing you did before, right? Are also, you an I included card deck? sorry, eighty card deck, yeah, eighty okay. card deck, and I also included Liliana. I can give you the list if you want to make a video about it. Also, you play Liliana, and. Liliana felt okay. There was one turn, I remember, I played against the Omnath list and had, like, a, a Escape, an Ultimatum, and I think another good card on the hand. And I was like, how the hell do I get rid of those three cards? And then I had, had Liliana, I could bounce my, my other card that makes them discard, and I somehow managed to make them discard all the cards. And it was really satisfying. Wow, the emotional roller coaster I just went on when like this deck sounds sweet. Then you say it has Liliana, I'm like, I'm never playing this deck. And then you're like, <laughs> then Liliana made them discard an ulti- an ultimatum and escape to the wilds. I'm like, okay, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go, Lily. Uh, love it. I also imagine that Doom might actually be a pretty strong card against these Omnath lists, right? Because like that usually aiming to resolve just a couple of heavy hitters. And they can't exactly. they can't sack any of their tokens to the doom, right? So it's probably a pretty clean answer to like Felidar, the uh, the Felidar retreat, and uh, it can even take out like an Ugin if you time it right. So that sounds pretty good to me, actually. Yeah, I did like it a lot, and yeah, as you said, Doom is pretty strong, and it was fun. Yeah, I, I'm actually glad that you guys brought up Skyclave Apparition because is that just a far of in your white control decks now? I love it. Yeah. Like I, I started with zero, and then everything just turned around when I added that card, and I started at like two, and eventually got up to four, and yeah, um, 
just you name a deck and you name what Skyclave Apparition can hit, and you're in really good shape. The only thing you want to do is you don't want to run it into a Bone Crusher Giant. Uh, you gotta you gotta keep that stuff in mind, but for the most part, just play it play it well. Yeah. ECD solid follow up as well. Just buy oh it yeah, back. oh yeah. Just yeah. having something to get back with ECD like. The new Jace is so bad. Can we just... <laughs> the new Jace. You play it, you scry two. The opponent generally ignores it completely. Like, And and when did scry... Scry's never been a worse mechanic. Because the rogue deck is freaking everywhere, in best of one at least, and they just mill your scry. Robber of the Rich steals it. It's it's, it's terrible. It's, so, it's, so, it's such a... It's the worst Jace. Uh, but Skyclave comes down, exile a thing, chump block a thing, and then ECD gets it back. So your ECD chapter three isn't dead very often, and the opponent has to play around, do I attack into this thing? Because if it ends up in the graveyard, I'm going to get exiled again. It's sweet. It's a sweet card. So let's just touch briefly again on the, the new Zendikar cards that are performing really well in control. So we have the Apparition, we have the... Uh, it sounds like all three of the mythic lands, right? The the white one, the blue one, the black one. Sounds like they could all have their place in control. Maybe the black one, not so much. Yeah, Awakening doesn't have targets, usually. Yeah. Let's see what else we're looking at. Blood Chief's Thirst, playable. Big Yeah, big thumbs up. How about Hagra Mauling? Have you guys been running that in your black control decks? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'm up to three or four in most of them. That is the land that doubles as a murder, uh, four mm. mana murder effect. Yeah, that's a good card. I also want to mention the Flip Senzo card. Um, uh, it's kind of yeah. nice to have a counter that's a land. I mean, I do like it. It's not always perfect in a, in a world where someone makes 20 mana a turn, but it has potential. It's a big gambit, right, of whether or not to hold that sucker up or play yeah. the land. Like, like my brain, like I could stew on that forever. But it's a great interaction for you as a player, right? So you have to think about it. So I, I kind of like that, the possibility. And then if you do the wrong choice, you go like, okay, that was my fault. At least I fail because of me and not because they play Omnath into Ultimatum next turn. I actually think that's a really interesting card against the Omnath decks, especially on the play, because that hits all of their good turn. You know, you can hit the Cobra, you can hit that turn uh, three Omnath. Um, you can maybe hit their first escape or their first ultimatum. Of course, later in the game, they're just going to have so much mana that it's probably a terrible card. But um, I imagine, especially on the play, it's probably really, really good against these Omnath decks. And they have to respect it, right? They can't just like slam an Ugin and, you know, <laughs> wee, away we go. Oh, so. I've, oh I have, uh, it's Jawari's, what is it? Anyway, I force spiked the Nugan. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, did maybe. it on camera the other day. Yep. Yeah, baby. I mean, they have so much mana, but they're playing seven and eight mana spells, so you're going to get them, right? You're going to get them. Sometimes they're in a situation where they need, like, they have five lands, and they just freaking need that escape to the wilds to resolve, and if you counter it, they're just basically done. So, yeah, that's awesome. Let's just touch briefly on rogues. I really haven't seen rogues much. Has that fallen off as just kind of like like a lower ladder deck? Uh, Rogues is the number one deck on the best of one rankings on MTGA Assistant and Aetherhub. Okay. Like it's so it, it's really 15% of best of one, of one meta, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know if it's more popular than it should be, but it's definitely harder to deal with 
in best of one because you don't really set yourself up to deal with flash threats or have the right removal spells for everything that they present. And it has decent matchups where you need them. Against Omnath, if you draw the right combination of cards with a Drown in the Lock to hit the counter spell on the key turn, you can usually win. Against Mono Red, if you get a Nighthawk Scavenger down and protect it, you usually win. So it has game. It has game plans against the major decks. So it's okay. Now, when Uro gets banned... Oh, baby. <laughs> it's open freaking season uh, for rogues because that is still one of the nastier things that can happen. If their draw is anything less than perfect and they flip over an Uro and it comes back, it's it's hard times. Yeah, the Scourge of Best of One. How do you feel about Zareth's son at the moment, CGB? It's okay. So it's not, nece- Take it or leave not it. necessarily the centerpiece of the deck? Yeah, if I were on a free-to-play account account i i would still play rogues but i wouldn't craft it you know it's 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 okay it that it doesn't need to end the game you can end the game with any rogue that attacks for a lot of damage do you think the scavenger is a more important card in best of one than the zarathon i do i i play so many games or like any creature deck mono white mono green mono red i'd play the whole game around scavenger and then protect it because they just can't race it it's Swinging for seven or eight in the air with lifelink. What are they going to do? What's your protection spell of choice? Drown in the lock, lofty denial. Those two are the ones I use the most. Have you found the the rogue spell pierce to be good or just not as good as the other options? Not as good as the other options. Not flexible enough. I, I, I started with two of those. They ended up being lofty denials, which almost always gets what you need. Also, mystical dispute, dispe- de- depending where you're at, how many Omnaths you expect to encounter. Mystical dispute is also really good against other rogues to get their Soaring Thought Thief out of the way. Dude, I mean, Lofty Denial is such a good card if you're running Flyers. It really is. Um, yeah, I'm. that's a card which I think we should keep an eye on moving forward. I, it's just, it's, it really is a strong counter spell. So I'm really glad that that card has found a home. So that's going to wrap up this episode of the Arena Craft Podcast. I want to thank Danny so much for coming on the show. Um, I forgot to shout this out earlier, but Danny has revamped an existing podcast with uh, Jason Florent and Seth Manfield. And it's called Planeswalker Diaries. And day one, CGB and I subscribe to this podcast and we will be listening to it religiously moving forward. So this isn't like uh, I'm talking up your podcast because you're my guest on the show. This is actually just going to be one of my favorite podcasts moving forward. I know it. So definitely go check out that podcast. Danny, let us know if there's anything you want to add about that podcast or, you know, anything else that you've been up to. Because I know that you've been pretty busy lately, right? Yeah, I've been sadly really busy. Um, That was one project I'm working on and then I'm working on even a bigger project um, but the news will come out probably next month, and that's going to be actually huge. We can talk about this after this shortly. Um, yeah, so it's it's more than a podcast. It is a podcast, but we also try to build a community and make everyone a better player. And with someone like Seth in our midst, um, it's definitely possible. Uh, we just try to build out a community, have fun with each other, and yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed our first podcast. It was really fun because we could talk firsthand about the Mythic Invitational since we had Seth winning and we were 
basically part of that team that helped him winning. So that, that felt really good as a first podcast. And I'm looking also forward to it. And hopefully I can get one of you uh, once as a guest on our podcast. Awesome. Anytime. And then in general, Danny, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on twitch.tv, Danny T. Law. They can also find me on YouTube. Sadly, I had no time for this, but I try to revamp it again. Uh, hopefully after the bands, uh, which would be Danny T. Law Gaming. Um, yeah, those are my main channels. And on Twitter, it's Danny T. Law as well. Excellent. So go check out Danny. Definitely one of my content, favorite content creators. I think I can speak for CGB there as well. And then you can find the Arena Craft podcast on, we're on Spotify. We're on just about every podcast platform. We are also on YouTube. I also have not had the time lately to make extra videos, but now that we're not releasing three episodes a week, hopefully I can get working on that again. And uh, still streaming at arenacraft twitch.tv forward slash arenacraft podcast covert go blue streams on twitch covert go blue monday through thursday 4 p.m eastern and of course runs one of the biggest youtube channels in magic so go check out him on youtube yeah these 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 two are busy i understand i just casually put up my 600th video in a row yesterday so uh yeah check it out Yeah, I don't know what I've been doing with my time, but anyway. Uh, so uh, congratulations, by the way. 600, man. That's massive. Yeah. That's massive. Did it. Got there. All right. Wonderful. All right, fellas. It's been a pleasure chatting. I wish you the best. And until next time. Bye. Bye. Later. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>